wherever you may be around the world, and thank you for your company. Once again, on truth2u.org. That's truth2u.org. I'm John Owen. Joining me is my very good friend and co-host of the Tanakh Tour, author of The Moses Scroll, Ross Nichols. G'day, mate. Hey, John How are you? I'm all right, but you've gone and dropped the price on The Moses Scroll. Why have you done that? What a bargain. I tell you, I, you know, I thought it about it. It is a bargain. It. Well, it, it's really a bargain now. It's so cheap. That's right. The value of the manuscript, the value of the, the, the book, is it hadn't changed at all. It's still the incredible mm. value of what you're getting. But now you get more for less, I guess you could say, or the same for less, at least. But uh, no, it's been out a year, Jono. I started thinking about it, and I said, you know, uh, let's, let's give the people a little bit of a break. Um, and so I, I dropped it. I asked Bridget, I said, what's a good sale? She said, what are you talking about? I said, I mean, what, what would entice you as a consumer? And she said, 20%. I said, all right, all right. So I did the math, and, and I looked at it, and I said, well, that's a good deal. So I dropped the hardcover from 33 to 25 that's a good deal. The paperback uh, from 22 it was, it was 25 then 22 and I now dropped it to, get this, Jono, 1750 These are American dollars. You have to do your math wherever your listeners are. Uh, but but what I really am interested in, and I, I hope that people will do this, mainly because I do it, uh, anytime I get a book that I really like, I get the paperback or the hardcover, but I also get the, um, the Kindle version. The reason I do that is because it allows you to search from your device. You can say, wait a minute, but, what, yeah. you know, you can say, give me every time Ginsburg shows up, bam, there they are. Yep. Uh, or if you're looking yeah. for a certain thing, maybe that you and I have discussed on one of the shows, they type it in, pulls it right up. So anyway, yep. I've dropped that. It was seventeen fifty. Then I dropped it to eight. Now I'm giving it for six fifty. But listen to this. I also allowed. You can choose as a as an author. You can choose how much of the book do you give people in the the preview. I gave mm. people the introduction or the forward the preface, Mm -hmm. and the first three chapters. Free. All they have to do is click the link. They can read the first three chapters, and then they can say, you know Mm -hmm. what, Ross, you know, you didn't grab me in the first three chapters. I'm not going to give you $6.50. But if they do, (laughs) you know. So anyway, here's the bottom line. I really want people to read the story, uh, and and if they, um, you know, if if this is one way to do it, I hope that they do it. I think most people so, have a smartphone or something. They can easily get yeah. the Kindle out. Well, you're telling me that the Kindle is now six fifty. Six dollars and fifty cents. Good that's heavens! A good so deal. people, well, that is. I mean, that's ridiculous. But people have no um, no excuse if you don't have a copy of this already. I'm telling you now, honestly, the Kindle is the best because if you are like me and you have a bunch of Bible tools open on your laptop and you're going back and forth with um, various. Uh, verses, cross-references, um, uh, concordance notes, all this sort of stuff. There's nothing better than having the Kindle also on your laptop that you can switch back and forth and have a bunch of tabs open. It really is the way to do it. Uh, so I would encourage people, I mean, for $6.50, good heavens, that's so cheap. But um, that is the price of the Moses Scroll now. And Kindle, if you haven't got it already, uh, even if you've got a, a paperback or a hardcover, go and get the Kindle because having it side-by-side with your Bible tools open on your laptop 
is uh, is is going to be really handy. So well, one other point, one other point, and and I don't want people to feel like, oh man, this is like a commercial. All he's doing is trying to sell his book. I really want people to read it. Here's here's hmm. one other thing. If people are in, signed up already for Kindle Unlimited on Amazon, they can get it free. They absolutely get it free. If you're on Kindle Unlimited, I don't. I'm not on it. I don't know what it you know, how much it costs a month to be on that. But somebody, some of our listeners might be, all they have to do is look up the Moses scroll. They get it for free, oh, really? Jono. They get it yeah. for free and just add yeah. it to the library. Okay. That's all right. right. So all there right. it is. Now, speaking it. of uh, speaking of signing up, just a reminder, dear listeners, uh, we are going back to Israel in November. We're also going to Jordan in the, in the latter half of uh, November, and that's filling up. So just to remind people, tanakhtours.com, you, myself, Rabbi Chavia Singer, uh, it's all happening and um, and the seats are filling. If you want in on that, you want to go to tanakhtours.com. Excited and, about and that. And those two tours, those by the way, those two tours are back-to-back, and I know we have at least one that signed up to go with us on both No, we got more than that. Yeah, Do no, we, really? we got more than that. Doing okay. both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All and right. Vicky just signed. G'day to Vicky. She signed up. And, hey, Vicky. So uh, that is, that's going to be great. You can do both of them, and you will get a discount as well for uh, signing up to both. Good now, deal. listen, we finished, or so we thought, we, we thought we had finished the Ten Commandments as they appear in the Moses Scroll uh, last week. We, we finally ticked that box. Um, but I don't know that we had. AD 9, did we mention the way that it ends, this chapter ends? I don't know. I thought we did. Well, oh. You might have mentioned it. I don't think I did. Maybe I just uh, breezed over it. But the final... Uh, sentence of this particular chapter, if I can call it a chapter. I mean, obviously, there's no verse breaks or chapter breaks, but I'm going to call this a chapter. And it finishes with, Elohim spoke these 10 words. Is that fair, Ross? Uh, Let's see. I'm looking at it now. That's right. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And we see that uh, represented in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 5, verse 19, it go, at least in the Jewish uh, numbering of the verses. Wait, wait, um, wait, wait, wait. Go ahead. Now that you bring this up, I looked at this yeah. today. You know, I told you that I'm working on a project where I'm looking for exactly where things are similar between oh, yeah. the Masoretic text and the Shapiro mm. scroll and where they're different. Uh, where did you well, say? Well, to be fair, it does say it says the Lord. So that would be, well, Deuteronomy 5.19, it says, Jehovah spoke those words, and no, those, those words are no more. To the whole congregation at the mountain, uh, and it goes on. But uh, what are you saying that we have something that says Elohim spoke these ten words? No. What we do have, though, instead of saying, uh, "You're right," and Elohim spoke these uh, ten words. That's what Shapira says. But but what we have, you're right to note that the canonical text has the name Yod Hey Vav Hey. But there's mm-hmm. one difference here. In Shapira, it says that he spoke these ten words. Mm-hmm. Oh, as opposed to the Lord spoke those words, and That's right. and uh, we don't have a number. So there, there is that, and that is where we find ourselves. And the next portion, the next chapter, if I can say, of the Shapira scroll, the Moses scroll, is what we refer to as fragment F. And uh, there's something about Fragment F that sets it apart from the rest of the uh, scroll, Ross, and that is that it's extremely hard to read. Yep. Uh, in fact, there are three panels of F that just can't be read. No one could read them. 
um, there was not even there wasn't even anything that could be done about it. There was no attempt except for um, the opening uh, uh, the the first part of fragment F, which is known as F A, or as it appears in your book, the Moses Scroll. Can you explain a little bit of that to us? How how the Moses Scroll is set out? Just remind everybody. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So what what we ought to do is we'll post a graphic, a revised graphic from the Moses Scroll so that people can see this. So when they go to download this podcast, they can also, from truth to you, download this graphic so that they can see what I'm saying as Mm. as I'm talking when they're listening. So the first thing I want to say is that all told, you know, they've heard us say this, but there are 16 strips of varying lengths. 42 columns of text. Now, what that 42 columns of text represent is 21 columns of text doubled. Or, I might say it this way, what we what we really have is two copies of the same text uh, side by side, if you will. And they'll be able to see this in the drawing. Now, just so people understand, that means that we have two copies of the Moses scroll that were discovered in the cave high above the Wadi Mujib. And each of these, if you look, if you laid these out side by side or one on top of the other, you would have one manuscript that is roughly 11.5 feet or three and a half meters. Mm-hmm. And it's in height, it ranges from three inches to almost four inches or 7.6 mm-hmm. centimeters to 9.7 centimeters. Now, what we have transcribed is 18 columns of 21. You follow me? So you just mentioned to the listeners that three columns of F, the strip that we designate F, we can only read and only partly read uh, F-A. So that means F-B, F-C, and F-D are unreadable. So really all we have, and we're going to get to this towards the end of the show, is we can only make out 85% of one of these. Now, mm-hmm. now this I want people to keep in their mind and we'll come back to it. But here's this this is a question. On those three, what could it possibly say? So here's an example. Oh my goodness. Here's an example. <laughs> and, and just just Go before ahead. you before you yep. get into it, Russell, I just want to say this is something that uh, for the last couple of years you and I have been racking our brains over, and there's a whole lot of stuff to focus in on in the yep. Moses Scroll that keeps you absolutely keeps you busy. But you keep coming <laughs> back in the back of your mind. You keep because you always pass over fragment F, and you think to yourself, "Oh man, what did it what, say? What did it say? It's heartbreaking that it's not there. It can't be made out, and we don't have it anymore. Hopefully, God willing, it'll it'll pop up again, and we can." Uh, subjected to the incredible analysis that modern technology uh, can achieve. But um, we yep. just cannot. Uh, all, all you can do is speculate and um, you go back and forth. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, so exactly. You and I, this is the greatest mystery of the scroll. When I started really when I started this project, I had read Tagay's book, which is an excellent book. I highly recommend mm. it. Uh, I don't agree with his conclusions, and I think my book disproves some of his conclusions. And mm. certainly, Edan's book uh, and mine together certainly rule out uh, Tigay's uh, uh, sure. conclusions. However, so one of the questions I want to begin with is what could it possibly, how much text 
is on three strips or on on mm. three columns of text. How much does that represent? Because before you you can't read any of it. We don't have any of that in our possession. So just as an example, how many weeks did we you and I do the ten words that represented? I'll say three columns of text, you know, right. because the 10 words are on EB, EC, and ED. But it's going to be more than that, Jono, and here's why. It's going to likely be more, uh, I would say almost certainly more, because the 10 words, we know this from 19th century reports, that the letters, the characters were larger on the 10 words than the rest of the manuscript. They were written larger. And, huh. and uh, remember, there were interpunks, dots yes. between each word, all right? So, so you've, got, you've got that going for you. And one more reason that you'd have a lot more text than that, every word, or what a lot of people call the commandment, between each, each one of those started on a new line. So that takes mm-hmm. up more room. So I'm just telling people at the outset of this discussion that whatever it was, it was more than that, at least more than that. So tonight when we start talking about four, uh, these four columns of text that represent uh, F, here's what mm. we know, Jono. Here, here it is. We know that these four columns of text are attached one to the other, A, B, C, D, all one strip. Uh, you can do the math. We have, um, uh, let's see, uh, they were poorly preserved, mm-hmm. poorly preserved, and the corresponding portion was also in bad shape. Now, let me let me take just a minute there. For instance, when you look at the 10 words, they had two copies of the 10 words that were almost identical. The only difference between, let's call them copy A and copy B of the Moses scroll in the 10 words is that Mm. one says, I'm using the English, honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long upon the land, right? One Mm -hmm. copy had the phrase, so that your days may be long upon the land. The other one didn't. Mm -hmm. Why is that? I don't know, but we have plenty of examples even in the Hebrew Bible where that takes Mm -hmm. place. Now, when here's the other thing. When Ed Meyer, Dr. Ed Meyer is the guy, he and Guta worked together in Leipzig on this, uh, their transcription. Ed mm-hmm. Meyer was the one who had F. So this is his responsibility. So here's what you want to first think of. Why didn't Dr. Ed Meyer just go look at the duplicate copy of the manuscript? Mm-hmm. He, he did. Here's what he says in his notes. I translated it from the German. He says... Belong, in other words, what he's able to transcribe a fragment of fragment F, only column A in a very fragmentary uh, reproduction, he's able to say this. This belongs to the second specimen of the text. So this tells me that Dr. Ed Meyer gets, you know, they divvy him up and Guta hands him, here's this one. When he looks at what he has, he goes, this is horrible. I can't read anything on it. Guta probably looks up and says, well, go look at the other one. He goes mm-hmm. to look. He says, that's a little bit better. I can make out a few of the letters. So that's what he does. Now, how much does he get? One column, A, he's able to 
clearly identify only 47 letters, Jono. I counted them. Now, just to give people a, an indication, what percentage of this particular paragraph would you say is visible? When you say 47 letters, uh, you've, you, and by that I mean you've, uh, you've, you have a recreation of, of what you believe those letters are drawn from, Right. Um, would you say it's, I mean, it's not even 50% oh, no. of the letters, would you no. say? It's about would, 25%? I would say maybe 20%. And now, 20%, okay. just so you know, Jonah, that's an excellent question. I started sweating when you said that because I thought, you know, I should have counted. Because I, I think we <laughs> could, I really do think that we can determine uh, roughly how many letters were present on that. Now, here's how we can do that, Jonah. We know about the length of one line at least. Mm-hmm. I know how many lines were on each of these fragments, so I can give a really good guess. This is, by yeah. the way, this is the way they determined what was missing on the Mesha yes. Stella because they knew the length of the line, they knew how many letters were on the line, and the characters are about the same width. You think, mm-hmm. well, what about a Vav? A Vav is skinny. Ah, look at a paleo vibe. It's a little bit different. Mm. So it's still skinny, but it's not. So anyway, you can you can roughly estimate. I don't have that exact figure, but just from what I know and looking at the... Just to take a guess at looking at it, you'd say I, about maybe 20%. Now, the interesting thing about that is that uh, that 20% of letters that uh, Ed Meyer was able to identify... And not altogether, they're peppered through right. this particular paragraph, which uh, makes it easier to reconstruct, Ross. Yeah. So now, 47 letters he identifies. Remember, Guta and Meyer have an excellent process, Jono. What they do is if they know a letter, beyond doubt, this is absolutely certain, they write the letter. If mm. they don't know the letter for absolutely certain, they think they're right, but they look at it and they go, you know... I'm not really sure. However, if it's this letter, it clearly spells a Hebrew word. It's got to be this letter, even Mm -hmm. though I can't quite tell for sure. So they would underline. They would say that's a vav, and then they would put an underscore uh, under that letter. Now, there's one other thing they did that I think is very helpful for us, and that is that Whenever they could see the presence of ink, but they couldn't discern the shape. In other words, mm-hmm. I, they would say, I know there's a letter there, but I can't tell for sure. I don't even I don't even want to make a guess. They would put an asterisk, okay? Yeah. Uh, in, in those cases, he has, in this thing, he has, uh, let me see, I put it in my notes. He had five underlined, five, so he's got 47 he knows, five that he guesses. And I think he's right, okay, because his guesses are based on the guy's a genius. And then he Mm. has two that he doesn't know. uh, I'm sorry, one that he doesn't know. He puts it. He can't see it, but he puts an asterisk. Now we know. So what you're saying is that he detects. He detects a letter, but he can't identify the letter. Okay, right now. So so that's forty-seven plus the five. So now we're up to fifty-two. And then one mm-hmm. one asterisk is 53, and I know that letter based on the word. In other words, it, it's easy. You, you know what it's got to be to spell a word in Hebrew, so we know that letter too. So I would say, all told, 
He's really got 53 that uh, that we know, 53 to work from to figure out what this thing says. So here we go. Mm-hmm. This this is this involves detective work. Now, one of the things that I'll tell you is I just started working. I just ordered a book and received it in the mail. It's the Dead Sea Scroll, the Qumran biblical text, transcriptions in Hebrew. So now I'm able to look at that. I'm going to be able to compare our text and the canonical, the Masoretic text, Mm. with the Dead Sea Scrolls. So I'm excited about that. Now... When I started this project, one of my first questions, because Tagay doesn't even get close to addressing it, is what does the manuscript say? So now this is before Edan's book. This is before I had the transcription. I started doing Google searches, text of Shapira scroll. And lo mm-hmm. and behold, I start finding things. The first thing I find is by a scholar by the name of Shlomo Gill. Shlomo mm-hmm. Gill is an Israeli. Uh, he's a researcher. He's not particularly a Shapira researcher, but he's written some incredible things about Shapira. This is sort of a, a side thing for him. In other words, he does plenty of other things, scholarly, academic things. Mm-hmm. But he had created a transcription based on the two known transcriptions at the time when he did this. Remember, Edan is the one that discovered Shapira's transcription. I didn't have it when I did my work. Mm. Neither did Shlomo Gill. So Shlomo Gill did a transcription of Guta and Meyer's transcription from their German work, which is translated now by us, fragments of a leather manuscript, uh, you know, and so forth. Now, mm-hmm. so I took Shlomo Gill's. And I, I, I start reading through it. You know, it's the Hebrew transcription. I'm taking notes and I'm thinking, man, this is so cool. This, oh my God, this is so cool. Mm. Well, I studied it. And the first thing that I realized is that when I get to F, it's it's this fragmentary thing. And so like you and I have done for the past couple of years, I said, what, what did it say? How do we know <laughs> what it says? Okay, first clue, Jono. Now, remember... We just finished E, and E ends, these are the 10 words which God spoke. Yes. Now, it could go anywhere from there. Here's mm-hmm. one of the things that I saw. Now, I didn't have an English, remember, no English translation. All I had at the time was Shlomo Gill. So I see F, and one of the things that I make out in this fragmentary thing is the phrase or the word, namut, which is roughly, we die. So now think about this. So I think, wait a minute, wait a minute. We just finished the 10 words, and according to both Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, one of the things that happens is the people go to Moses and they say, hey, you go talk to God, I'm paraphrasing, and then you come back and tell us what he said. Mm -hmm. We don't want to hear his voice. We don't want to, lest we die. So I said, now this is, this is, yeah, I know. Okay. So there you go. And and it makes perfect sense. And you would feel confident that you're onto something, of course, because in Deuteronomy, uh, you read through the 10 commandments. And as I said, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter five, verse 19, it says the Lord spoke those words and no more to the whole congregation of the mountain with a mighty voice out of the fire and a dense cloud. He inscribed them on two tablets of stone, which he gave to me. Verse 20 says, and when you heard the voice out of the darkness while the mountain was still ablaze with fire and you came up to me with your tribal heads and elders and said, the Lord our God has just shown us his, his presence and it goes on. 
And in, in verse 22, it says, let us not die then for this fearsome fire. And so it, it plays right into, uh, chronologically, at least in Deuteronomy, right. this uh, particular event. And you think, okay, okay, maybe this, is, this, this would make sense because for the most part, it does follow uh, Deuteronomy's text. Right. Uh, that is to say that the Moses scroll is represented primarily in Deuteronomy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But not always, so keep going, Ross. Okay, so that's excellent lead-in because what I wanted to do, I said, first of all, even though the Moses Scroll does not always agree uh, verbatim, in fact, a lot of times it doesn't, Mm -hmm. with the text of the canonical text, the Masoretic text, it tends to have certain things in common. So I I felt like I was pretty confident that following the Mm -hmm. 10 words and the word namut, I said, now, where in the Torah, in the Pentateuch, do we have Namut? All right, so I did a search. It occurs six times in the Pentateuch, six, uh, four of which are in Genesis. Well, we rule those out automatically. It's not mm. going to be one of those. But then we get, as you just said, Exodus twenty nineteen or verse 16 in the Hebrew, and the other is Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 25, or mm-hmm. verse 22 in the Hebrew. Now, mm-hmm. if we look at those together, remember, we have Shapira's text. So just like in the 10 words, uh, the Shabbat tends to follow Exodus and not Deuteronomy in the mm-hmm. reasoning for the Shabbat, right? So yep. I don't know yet if F, fragment F, column A, is following Exodus 20, or is it following Deuteronomy 5? Or, well, it's got to be one of those, right? So, mm-hmm. here, here's what I said. I wanted to look at both of them in context and look for some of the letters. Because as you mentioned to our listeners, not always do we even have complete words that, that Meyer transcribed for us. Sometimes it's only a string of two letters, but they're ordered in a certain way. So the first thing I do is I look at Exodus chapter 20. I read everything around, looking letter by letter. Oh, is that? Oh, look, is that here? And and what I found was that Exodus matches more closely. It, now, isn't it's, that that's it's fascinating? That only happen, it's not exact, but uh, there's no doubt that there is uh, a, a better representation of the Moses scroll in this particular text of uh, of Exodus chapter 20. So do you want me to read that, by the way? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go there. So it says here, uh, here I am, 20 verse 16 Okay. in the Hebrew, is it? Yep. You speak to us. Now, let me read 15, by the way, Ross. This is, this is an interesting thing. So what happens is uh, the Ten Commandments is uh, spoken mm-hmm. in Exodus chapter 20. Now, you pointed out, of course, that there are, Significant differences between the version in Exodus and the version in Deuteronomy. Um, And one of those differences is where it ends. It doesn't say, and Elohim spoke all these words. It goes straight into uh, verse 15. It says, all the people witnessed the thunder and the lightning and the blare of the horn and the mountains smoking. And when the people saw it, they fell back and they stood at a distance. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then it says, you speak to us, they said to Moses, and we will obey. But let not God speak to us lest we die, Ross. That's right. This is excellent. So now you know I'm looking at two texts and I'm trying to figure out which one matches most closely with, uh, with what we see in Shapira. 
Now, let me pull up, let me find my sheet here. I've got a few sheets here because I want to look at the actual puzzle that was before me. You ever put together a crossword puzzle, Jono? And yeah, you, it's, you it look is at like the, that. You, it's exactly like that because you're looking really for, is. oh, oh, here's a flower. That's what I, I have one flower on the box top and I'm finding, <laughs> that's exactly what we're doing here. So, so here's what I have in front of me. I have, according, the phrase that I'm focused on is, uh, there's a, um, this is going to make more sense when people can see it, but there's an olive, I mean, I mean an ion, a mem, there's some missing letters, there is a mem, and then it says, velo namut, and, and we not die, basically. Lo mm-hmm. means no or not. So it says, and that's that tells me, okay, let me see if I'm in the right passage. Well, I check Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy doesn't match. First of all, uh, in Deuteronomy, let's see, let me look and see. In Deuteronomy 5, it says, Lama Namut. It means, why should we die? So if this text followed closely with um, Deuteronomy 5, I would expect to see a Lamed a mem and a hay. I don't. I have a vav, mm-hmm. a lamed, and an olive. Velo. Velo namut. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, let me check Exodus 20. So I go back to Exodus 20. I look at Exodus 20 and it says, pen namut. Lest. Pay noon. Well, that doesn't match Shapira either. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I put a question mark on my paper, but I continued to look and here are the matching letters. In Exodus 20, there's a tav and a hay, followed by an ayin, mem, uh, nun. All right, that that is found in Exodus 22, by the way. Exodus mm-hmm. 20 also. Then there's some missing letters. Then there's an ayin, a vav, and an aleph. That also is found in Exodus 20. Then there's a yud, a dalit, a vav, a resh, an ayin, a mem. All of those letters occur in that sequence in Exodus 20. So Mm -hmm. this text in Shapira's scroll closely resembles and and has some of the same letters that are in Exodus 20. Those Mm. letters do not exist in Deuteronomy 5. So it makes me favor Exodus 20 over Deuteronomy 5. That's a better representation of the Moses scroll, yeah. But I still have a problem because... Now, this is not so much of a problem uh, for you and I, because we know that looking at Shapira, it doesn't always follow the Masoretic text. You think, well, if you're a Mm. forger, we say this all the time, why would you change something like that? If I were going to make this match Mm. Exodus 20, why in the world would I not just say pin namut? Mm. I mean, why would I change it to velo namut? Okay. Mm -hmm. So now I'm thinking, hmm, okay, so I keep going. The next sentence, and I won't go into all this because I know it's hard to follow, um, you know, as people are listening, but I will say that following Velo Namut and that we not die, it it says, um, it's fragmented again, but it's something about, and he heard, and then the word, word occurs, Devar. Mm -hmm. So, well, that kind of fits the context of both Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. They said, look, yep. you go talk to We don't want to die. And then God hears what they're saying. All right. You, you get, mm-hmm. you follow it so far. Well, that, so 
But when I look at Exodus 20, the string of letters doesn't fit Exodus 20, but it does fit Deuteronomy 5, mm. verse, verse 25. So go to Deuteronomy 5:25. Let me yep. make sure that, that I'm right on the Hebrew verses. It may be different. Let's so it's, uh, it is fascinating. Um, yeah, so verse 22 in, I'm just, I've got the Jewish study Bible open, and okay. it says, Let us not die. Then for this fearsome fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer we shall die. So, yeah, that's a little bit different to uh, Exodus 20, verse 16. And Exodus 20, uh, 16 better represents that which is uh, written in the Moses scroll as far as the letters that you can make out. Um, and it goes on to say, For whatever mortal has heard the voice of the living God speak out of the fire as we did and live, you go closer. This is verse 24. And hear all that the Lord your God says, and the Lord our God, and then you tell us everything that the Lord our God tells you, and we will do it willingly. Uh, do you want me to keep going? Yeah, keep going. One more. The, the Lord heard the plea that you made to me, and the Lord said to me, I have heard the plea that this people made to you. They did well to speak thus. May they always... We have such a mind wait. to revere me and follow me, all my commandments. Yes. All right, all right. So you went a little bit further, and that's fine. So what we see, though, is where it says, uh, and and he heard. Who heard? Well, according to Deuteronomy 5, it's Jehovah, yod heh vav -Heh. Of course, mm -hmm. in Shapira, you can make out Elohim at Davar, and then it breaks off. So, it, But it fits. It, in other words, it, mm -hmm. it seems to be closely related to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Now, here's here's an interesting thing. Not only does Deuteronomy 5 in Masoretic text have yod heh vav -Hey, but it says, And Jehovah heard kol, a voice of your words. Well, there's mm -hmm. no room in Shapira to have the word voice, so kol is not in Shapira's manuscript. But then it picks up and we see a couple of other things that make me say, huh, this is clearly, clearly from uh, Deuteronomy 5 or closely mm -hmm. resembles Deuteronomy 5. Now, so, so now we know that that piece fits in. And then here's something that seals it for me in Deuteronomy 5, puts us close to a text like Deuteronomy yep. 5. What you just read in Hebrew, it's miyitain, it, and it's translated. Uh, how did you say? What does it say in your English? Uh, in verse, in chapter twenty, uh, verse twenty-five. Uh, yeah. Oh, that they had such a heart in me as this. Yeah. I think, is it? May okay. they? Well, in the in the Jewish study Bible, it says, "May they always be of such a mind to revere me and follow my commandments." Yeah. So miyitain is where they're getting that phrase, and mm -hmm. and what I was interested in. All we have in Shapira's manuscript following, we know we're in Deuteronomy 5 or a text similar to it. We have mm -hmm. a mem and a yud. Me and then a yud. And and I said, that's me, Yitain. I guarantee, mm -hmm. even though I can't make out the Tav and the Nun. So I look at uh, this text in Deuteronomy, and sure enough, I find puzzle pieces around it that put me there. Uh, so I said, wow. Okay, now, but I still have this puzzle. Mm. Remember, even though we said Exodus chapter 20 and verse 16 fits better with this, this passage about lest we die, 
Mm. Exodus 20 has pin namut, whereas Shapira scroll has velo namut. So I said, huh, I already did a search for namut. So I know that it only occurs six times, four times are in Genesis, once in is, is Exodus 20. But I said, wait a minute, Jono, there's one more story where this is related. Mm -hmm. One more story where in the Pentateuch, it says that the people went to Moses and said, look, you go to God and we don't want to die. That's in Deuteronomy 18. So go now to Deuteronomy 18, really? 16. Yeah. Now, while you're going there, I'm going to tell the listeners. We know already that the, the Shapira manuscript has nothing of chapter 12 through 26. But there's one more story that relates to what we're looking for. Oh, in terms wow. Of look context. at that. Ha, that's great. Now, read, well done. Read, <laughs> read eighteen sixteen. So I think the verse we haven't we haven't discussed this before. No, really I just cool. found it today. <laughs> this is brilliant. So, what we have here is a note referring back to this incident in this text. So, Deuteronomy chapter eighteen, verse sixteen. This is just what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying, "Quote." Let me not hear the voice of the Lord my God any longer or see this wondrous fire any more lest I die. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Now, that's so cool. The trick becomes, the trick becomes how is it worded there? Um, in other words, if if I look at the Hebrew there, is it going to give me uh velo namut? I mean, I I just want to know because I'm curious as to what it actually says. Now, so I go there. Now, remember, Exodus 20 doesn't have valo associated with the word death, valo, whatever. Now, mm. so I, I find the Hebrew in uh, Deuteronomy 18, and it says valo amut, valo amut. Now, mm -hmm. so this, this passage has Velo where Exodus 20, which it clearly looks like Exodus 20 mm -hmm. in the most part, Deuteronomy has Lama Namut, so that's not it. Mm -hmm. But this one has got a difference too. It says Velo Amut and, and I not die. Now, it's interesting because this is supposed to be what the people are saying. Let, let me not, uh, let's see... To him you shall hearken, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire anymore, that I die not. Now, are a group of people more likely to say, I not die or we not die? Now, mm. okay. Now, I know that's that, uh, I just want to make this really clear. So, what we find here is that, in my opinion, this text that we see in Shapira or I'll give this qualifier, or a text similar to it is the source of three accounts in the Pentateuch. Mm -hmm. Each author, the author, and you could you could say, if someone wants to believe that Moses wrote all three or that the same person wrote all three, however you want to look at it, whoever wrote Exodus 20 looked at a source and they said, I got this story about people being so scared, they said, we don't want to die so I got to put that in there. And then the person that wrote Deuteronomy 5 said, ah, you know, I had the 10 words. It shook people up really badly. They were scared. They didn't want to die. 
Got to put that in here. Deuteronomy 18, story again. What if all three of these are based on a singular account? All three of them read differently, but I can piece together by looking through these three sources, I can see the authentic original text in fragment. But what I see is that it ends with this phrase, Valo Namut. Again, again, Jono, if I'm a forger, if any forger set out to do this, he had three texts to choose from. Yeah. He that's had, right. And let's let's go with one of the standard garbage uh, ideas that Shapira's the forger. He knew mm. the Hebrew Bible very well. Hmm. Now, why, why don't you choose A, B, or C? A, B, or C, but why mix one word and, and use... Mm. It, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. No. Now, so here's what we have in fragment F. We have one fragment with maybe, maybe 20% readable. We've reconstructed for your listeners a little bit of what that said. We know contextually that it's right after the 10 words... There is this story about uh, the people being scared, not wanting to die, and and them and and then and then God saying everything that they've said is good. Uh, I wish that they had such a heart in this to keep my commandments, and that's all we know. Mm. Now the question becomes: knowing the little bit that we know, what was on the other three? Now, what was on the other three? Now, before we get there, yep. can I just get you to read just as a whole paragraph? your reconstruction of F as you understand it now. Uh, you know what? Do you have the Moses scroll I, in front of you? I have it in front of me. And so all I'm asking is, in light of um, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, would you change anything in the reconstruction? Or are I'm, you happy with I, the way that it appears in the book? I'm going to propose to you that mm-hmm. something that could be... Now this, by the way, remember, this is all speculation. Mm-hmm. In Deuteronomy 18, we get something that Deuteronomy 5 doesn't tell us and Exodus 20 doesn't tell us. Mm-hmm. That that because of this request of the people, that God says, I will raise up for you a prophet and I'll put mm-hmm. my words in his mouth. Without that story, basically everything about the prophet is, some, we don't know about it. In other words... Mm. If, if Shapira's manuscript represents an authentic document, where is this idea of a prophet? It, it only exists. And by the way, you won't find it. Of course, you'll find the reference in Genesis chapter 20 that Abraham was a prophet. But that's problematic, Jonah, because we learn in Samuel that, that in olden times they weren't called a Navi. They were called a seer. So mm. you don't have anything about a prophet. So this makes that whole question come up. But I wonder... Interesting. I wonder, though, could there, okay, be, so, could there be room, and I might suggest as a proposal that that's one of them, that it could have said that. Go. All right, so let me... Okay, so let me read... Let me read what it says, uh, the transcription that you've got, the translation, rather, that you have in the book as a um, uh, reconstruction of Fragment F. Uh, it says, You speak with us, and we will hear... But let not Elohim speak with us, lest we die. And Elohim heard your words. And Elohim said to me, I have heard the words that this people have spoken to you. They are good, all that they have spoken. Oh, that they would, oh, that they had such a heart in them as this, 
to fear me and guard all of my commandments all the days in order that it might go well with them and their sons after them. Right. Now, what you're suggesting or hypothesizing or, or speculating on, because we don't know and what by is the, way, the remainder. Wait, wait, one more. Let me jump in. Everything that you said that is highly likely to have existed on fragment FA, that doesn't change. You'll mm. notice that a lot of that's in brackets, meaning it had to be reconstructed based on mm -hmm. the puzzle pieces I could see. But what follows is now I'm suggesting, could it be Deuteronomy 18, the, the institution of prophecy? Of the institution, okay, because that's because it claims, uh, Deuteronomy 18 claims that this is a continuation of what God spoke uh, at Horeb on the day of assembly saying. So again, we're back in 18. So, so this is a possibility. And the reason why it's a possibility is because Deuteronomy 18 is claiming to be citing from the Moses scroll. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so we're good there. Okay. So this is what it says. And I'm going to go from, let's go from verse 15 of Deuteronomy 18. Okay. Uh, the Lord, your God will raise up for you a prophet from among your own people like myself. So uh, this is Moses speaking him you shall heed, uh, in verse 16, this is just what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of assembly, saying, let me not hear the voice of the Lord my God any longer or see this wondrous fire any more, lest I die. Whereupon the Lord said to me, in this verse 17, they have done well in speaking thus. I will raise up a prophet for them from among their own people like yourself, I will put my words in his mouth, and he will speak them, uh, speak to them all that I command him. And if anyone fails to heed, heed the words he speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. But any prophet who's, who presumes to speak in my name an oracle uh, that I did not command him to utter or to speak in my name uh, in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And it seems to, uh, now let me see, verse 21, and should you ask yourselves, okay, so it breaks there. So it's claiming um, that from verse 16 to verse 20 is a quote from the Moses scroll. Is that fair? Uh, let's see. Yeah, something. Well, it, it, it's one form of a, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. I, 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 I do think, just to say, uh, I do think that it, it matches uh, it matches up enough to put it in that column. Let me just say that. Mm. And, and by the way, again, I just found Valo Amut today. So I haven't analyzed this thing for anything else. But it when you're reading this, I wonder, could that make up at least part of, say, fragment FB? Now, I don't mm. know that, but it could. It could. Mm, that's something to consider. Uh, and this is something that I haven't considered before. So it's, it's, it's brilliant that you, you should highlight this. Um, I, yeah, boy, we could get into the theology of that and maybe that would be for another day. But uh, but that's well speculated. I, it has to be considered. Now, here here's some other things. Let's let's hit a couple other high points. Let me let me say this one. Okay, put that one on the shelf. We, we definitely need to have that as a possibility. And we may not solve this until you and I go find the scroll with the Tylers and, and possibly yeah. James Tabor and Matthew mm. Hamilton in Australia and uh, Yoram Sabo. When our team finds this manuscript, then we can subject it to the right lighting and cameras and we'll, we'll know for sure. But mm. 
So if we look at FA as that last part of FA is coming from Deuteronomy, the end of Deuteronomy 5, let's say, that's fair. You go, well, what else could the manuscript have? Now, logically, and we'll get into next week, we're going to start with G. Where does that put us? I I don't want to go there yet. You can in a minute if you'd like. But what I'd like to say is you go, well, what's in Deuteronomy 6? Well, the Shema's there. But remember, strangely enough, the Shema occurred before the 10 words Mm -hmm. in the Shapiro manuscript. So people can't necessarily assume that what follows in the Shapira manuscript is going to match exactly the chronology mm. or the order of the text in the Masoretic text. But, but right. people shouldn't, they shouldn't worry about that anyway. As the rabbinic dictum says, uh, there's no earlier late in the Pentateuch, in the Torah. The mm. reason they say that is because you have things that are out of order in the Pentateuch. Exodus chapter 16 tells us that the people ate manna for 40 years and it didn't stop until they were in the land. That's Exodus Mm -hmm. 16. Well, they're not in the land. They're still in the desert. Exodus Mm -hmm. 16 is before Sinai happens. Yep. So so clearly there's no telling. Uh, In other words, our listeners need to know, you don't just look at chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, whatever. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's pulled from somewhere else. Mm. All right. Good heavens. I think we do have to leave it there. I mean, we could get into G, but if we start with it, it's going to open up a whole uh, new conversation. And I think we need to leave that one until uh, next week. And particularly because I want to go and brain this uh, in chapter 18. I knew I, knew I would <laughs> you get and I you. Are going to have a, we're going to go have a conversation, but we will be back this time next week, dear listeners. And in the meantime, have a great one. Have a beautiful week.